1: Welcome to episode 39 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm Esther Newman, and in this episode, I speak to Dr. Juliette McGrattan. Juliet has written for Women's Running for years, lending her considerable medical expertise to our conversations about women's physical and mental health. She's basically our go-to expert on pretty much everything. She's a doctor, usefully, as well as a writer, and is also a director of Fearless 261 here in the UK. She's written two books, the latest of which, Run Well, is every runner's complete guide to health care from shin splints to menopause. It's all in there. And speaking of which, I decided I wanted to talk to Juliet about the menopause and periods and all things hormonal for this episode, although I could happily have talked to her about pretty much any medical concern under the sun. But because in our last episode, Holly and I were talking about periods a little bit, I thought it best to bring an expert in rather than rely on our own somewhat shaky knowledge. So in this episode, I ask Juliet about period health and ask her to explain the period cycle from start to finish and how we can perhaps train better depending on where we are. We talk a lot about menopause, you have been warned, and my own personal worry, osteoporosis. We also talk about the things we can achieve as runners and women as we age, the red flags we should look out for in ourselves and others in terms of our reproductive health and how we can better manage and care for our mental health as we hurdle over perimenopause and beyond. You should totally become a member of Women's Running. For one thing, podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running, which is 35% off. That's less than two ninety-five a month and for that you get our brilliant magazine and you also get loads of money off the sorts of stuff you love like brilliant kit, nutrition and class memberships and more than that you'll be one of us which is priceless. Enter wrpod at the checkout at shop.womensrunning.co.uk for your brilliant discount. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us yeah exactly so um I just I, I kind of just want to pick your brains really um for this one because um Holly and I um have been we we've had conversations before we and in fact we just we just recorded a podcast that's going out uh tomorrow um and i uh, on listening back to it, I realized that we're both we started talking about a pill that she's on um and something that a doctor said to me um and and we're at at, we're at kind of opposite ends of the scale she's in her 20s Mm -hmm. I'm approaching 50 so um we we were talking about very different experiences and stuff but we were both at a loss we were both Mm -hmm. (laughs) just going we don't know anything we literally don't know anything and also I think I I kind of wanted to do this as well because there's a friend of mine who has been recently recently diagnosed with endometriosis Mm -hmm. um and that's the second friend of mine actually Mm -hmm. um but it was it was more apparent because she's a runner so we were talking about those sorts of things um and yeah it's just and I guess selfishly I want to talk to you about all this sort of stuff because of the age that I'm at and I Mm -hmm. think there's it feels like there's quite a lot of people that read women's running that are kind of um kind of my vintage um Mm -hmm. and we all know that kind of there's just not enough out there about perimenopause and menopause. And there's certainly not enough out there about how your running affects those things and how those things affect your running. Um, and there's a lot of kind of misinformation about what you should and shouldn't do and what you should and shouldn't take. And mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. so I want to ask you about all the hormones Mm -hmm. everywhere (laughs) I don't know if we've got enough time for that have we (laughs) possibly not
2: you have had had podcasts with um uh period um experts and things before haven't you
1: we have yeah but we we talked it was um and we did talk about hormones and periods and stuff then but we didn't talk about menopause quite so much and um, that's definitely something that I want to Mm -hmm. um concentrate on because I think it would just be Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as I say, from a selfish point of view, I just want to know a bit more, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping that'd be interesting to other people as well. Um, But like, would it be okay if we just started off by um, finding out more about how you got into running and who you are and what you do and and all of that sort of stuff? You
2: know, I tried running a few times and really disliked it. So I'm really I'm really amazed that I ended up liking running so much in the end. And I think it was sort of a last ditch attempt really. I'd had three kids and I needed to do something. I just wanted to get fitter and running was convenient and it was free and I could do it in 15 minutes from my front door and get back to the three preschoolers and I wouldn't say I immediately fell in love with it because I didn't. It took a long time of trying to get better and trying to feel more comfortable with it and with myself as a runner. Um, but eventually I realised it was part of my identity and I didn't want to be without it.
1: So, um, but then what happened? Because like you made a leap from someone that enjoyed running to becoming a director of Fearless 261 or 261 Fearless. Um, how, how did that happen?
2: Um, yeah, so um, I, I was a GP and the, what really, really amazed me um, and, and really changed everything for me was seeing how running affected your health physically and mentally. And when I experienced that for myself, I just wanted to tell everybody else about it, starting with my patients and then extending to people that I began writing for in magazines like Women's Running and things. Um, and, and I just became so aware that that there were many women who, who didn't run, perhaps they didn't want to, fine, but there were many people who maybe wanted to, but just didn't have the confidence to and just needed help and advice and encouragement. And um, my own running had taken me on, on an amazing journey and put me in contact with Catherine Switzer, who, who's the founder of 261Fearless. And she asked, would, would you like to help me and bring this network of social running for women to to the UK? um so yeah I was straight on straight onto that yes please (laughs) (laughs) so it's amazing it's like a big jigsaw puzzle in my life and I look back at all the things I've done and and how it's all fitted together and I never would have imagined it at the start when that first time I put my trainers on but it all makes sort of perfect sense now I don't know where it's going next
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can't wait to see what's going next um so uh, one of the reasons I wanted I mean obviously you write for women's running so I know you anyway but um you recently wrote a book called run well um which is brilliant an absolute bible for for all runners everywhere um and stops us going to ask all the bad questions of Dr Google and stuff so so it's fantastic um and that's your i think is that your second book that's the second one yeah the first yeah. one was sorted uh the active woman's guide to health
2: that was released in 2017 so a few years ago
1: yeah so um and it was it was kind of on reading this book on reading run wild that made me think yeah, I need to talk to talk to Juliette about this. Um because <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that, that's gonna know all about it. Um so I mean, if, if if we're gonna sort of delve into the whole periody thing, which sure. I don't I don't think is a technical phrase. Um, <laughs> like what have you found in your experience? What have been the main things that runners don't know about their periods that women don't know?
2: Um, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Um I think Women in general, um, not just for runners, but maybe don't necessarily associate periods as a positive thing. But the more we learn about the female body, the more we actually realize that having a regular, normal, normal inverted commas, because that's different for everybody, uh, period um, is actually a sign of good health. Um, we always kind of think of it as something that gets in the way um, and sort of serves the purpose of helping us to get pregnant if and when we do want to Um, but actually now we really sort of begin to understand more about the female body and the female cycle and that actually having a a regular normal period is is, as I say a marker of good health so I think that's that's one thing I think um, perhaps sort of helps to change attitudes towards it Um, but also I think what I've learned as well is trying to be open minded about it, because how you feel about your periods and how your periods are changes throughout your life and how you manage them and cope with them and deal with them and what you do to overcome hurdles with them is different in your when you're 18 to when you're 48. So I think it is actually keeping a sort of a, a broader open mind about things and just um, being free to to learn at different stages of your life and try different things because what worked for you when you're 18 might not work for you when you're 30 etc so I think those are the sort of two main things really just knowing that it, it, it can be a positive thing and actually also trying to to understand that it does vary throughout your lifespan
1: yeah I, I, I found that that's one of the things that I found like one of the most shocking that that I haven't listened to my body at all and I, I hadn't Realized that things would change um and and certainly didn't realize why the change was happening or what it was like you know having different periods at this point in my life I thought were down to me having kids i didn't realize actually it's probably more to do with perimenopause and you know stuff like that um and and one of the things that Holly and I were talking about last week was um actually realizing that that in one week of my cycle, I feel absolutely like a superhero I feel brilliant <laughs> and it does it, it and it's uh, it's the sort of like the week before I think the week before my period I'm just like I get everything done all my lists get done all my running gets done but the week of my period everything is bad the whole world is bad and I can't believe that I've got to 47 and I've only just realized that that's the case and unfortunately now I've now got to a point where my periods are just all over the place so I can't really sort of say oh right second week of the month I'm going to feel like this because my cycle might be you know three weeks long or whatever um so the cycle thing again I think that's really important to talk through because um again all of this is so selfish it's all about me trying to find out <laughs> stuff for
2: me but,
1: <laughs> but the cycle thing um you know like I didn't know I didn't even really know what ovulation was until I was trying to get pregnant. And mm-hmm. bearing in mind, I had my children quite late in life. I mean, I was, I, yeah, everything was, was a, a, this kind of massive secret to me. I didn't know about it until I started reading stuff about getting pregnant and stuff about fertility. So could you, could you explain the different weeks of a cycle hmm. Mm. And, and
2: you know, you're not alone in, in what you've said. I mean, I think for the majority of people, um, I suppose different for me, because I did go through medical school, but for the majority of people, it was a biology lesson at some point, um, during O levels or GCSEs, <laughs> with, it, with a little graph. Um, and, and that was kind of really all, all you knew about it. So, but I think, like all these things, and I always, say the same thing but the more you understand about how your body works i believe um the the more empowered you are to do things about it and to to sort of work with it Um, so in terms of the cycle the the average cycle length is sort of 28 days but women may be 20 days they may be 35 days and that can still be normal everybody's a little bit different but if we take a sort of traditional 28 day cycle it's it's split into two parts Um, The first part is the follicular phase, and that goes from about day one, which is the first day that your period starts, so your first day of bleeding, through to about day 14. And then the second half is the luteal phase, which goes from day 14 to day 28. And in the middle of that, dividing the two, you've got ovulation. Um, Now, so what happens in the first half of the cycle is that you, um, you, your period starts, you start bleeding, and both your um, estrogen and progesterone, the two sort of main female hormones, are quite low. Through the first half of the cycle, estrogen is the predominant hormone. That rises up, and through the second half of the cycle, estrogen is still fairly high, but it's, high, less, it's lower than it was, and progesterone is the main hormone predominated in the second part of the cycle. So we've kind of got this this definite sort of two parts to the cycle with the ovulation happening in between. And in the first part of the cycle, it's basically the body preparing an egg to be released in the chance that pregnancy might occur. And ovulation is the point that that egg is released. And the second half of the cycle is the body preparing for that egg to be fertilized and maybe having to start pregnancy. And when that doesn't happen, then the hormone levels, estrogen and progesterone dropping and then leading you to your period when the womb is shed, when there's, there's um, no, no fertilized egg. So that's the kind of sort of cycle, and we go just round and round and round mm-hmm. <laughs> through those. Um, it's our pituitary gland, which controls some of the hormones called f- FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, and LH, luteinizing hormone. And those those um, hormones kind of control the estrogen and progesterone levels
1: and and, and actually what goes on in the cycle itself. So- what does that do to us what what happens what happens just generally as women what happens when estrogen is high for instance what happens then to to our moods or to our kind of um, just our ability to run
2: yeah. So, I mean, I think, again, it's important to say every woman is different. So every woman will have um, different degrees of sensitivity, if that's the right word, to those hormones. So for some women, they don't experience an awful lot of fluctuation throughout a cycle. But for some women, they get really quite extreme um, variability in things like their mood and, and their, um, their, their general sort of feelings. Now, in terms of running, it's quite interesting, because if you look at the studies that have been done, on actual performance so looking at markers of performance things like your vo2 max and your Mm -hmm. lactate levels and things then actually there isn't much evidence that your performance actually changes throughout the cycle in terms of running in terms of sort of endurance type um, exercises um, I think you know we do need to remember that there, there are not huge numbers of really high quality studies on this there are quite a few small lower quality studies but obviously this is becoming much more thankfully much more of a research um, topic so this will hopefully change over time yeah we have surveys etc but a survey doesn't really uh, replace a high quality medical evidence-based study um, so actually when it comes to performance you don't necessarily see much difference through the cycle in terms of en- endurance running ability but I think you know when we when we speak to women then they definitely do Notice a change in their their motivation levels, sometimes their energy levels, which can then have a, a, a knock on effect to performance. And for women with very heavy periods, then those first few days of the cycle can definitely affect their ability to to perform if they're if they're um, losing a lot of blood, particularly if it makes them a little bit anemic as well. That can definitely have a, an effect. So in terms of the sort of side effects of the hormones, it really does vary from woman to woman, and lots of them do overlap. Things like mood changes, bloating, um, headaches, breast tenderness. You can attribute those to both estrogen and progesterone oh, okay. for for some women. I was interested with what you said, actually, that the day, the week before your period is your best. Because yeah. that actually goes against what a lot of other people experience. Oh. That premenstrual phase, um, that week leading up to the period is often um a, a difficult time for for women to exercise and the first week after the period is often the best time so it just shows you know you can never you can never <laughs> you tell and maybe that's just, it just it because
1: all. mine are all over the place at the moment so it's not quite oh god knows yeah I just, possibly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should we keep would it be a good thing for us to keep like period diaries so that we can take account of stuff like that
2: Yeah, I mean, I think because it is a very individual thing and you have to to take everybody on their own experiences, then it can be very, very helpful. I mean, I think in terms, again, of sort of elite performance and because we don't think the changes are massive through the cycle, the changes in terms of performance, can be very small. Therefore, perhaps for elite athletes, those potential very small gains or losses might be crucial, Um, whereas for kind of recreational runners, you know, a half second or whatever maybe isn't going to make a big difference. But I definitely think in terms of understanding our own body and what works for us personally at different times of the cycle, then tracking a cycle and keeping a diary can be very helpful, like you say, to just pick up patterns um, so you can know what to expect
1: yeah yeah that's really interesting um and yeah and, uh, just to cycle back a little bit to um the to issues that people might have with their cycles or or with things that are going on with their periods like endometriosis what can you explain a little bit about what endometriosis is because i have a very vague concept of what it is um and how something like that would affect our running or 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 otherwise
2: yeah so endometriosis is is one of those kind of not very much spoken about, not taboo, but just poorly understood conditions by lots of people. And um, I know it's been a real struggle for lots of women to to get the diagnosis of endometriosis. I think I did look up something that said that the average time to diagnosis was something like seven and a half years or something along those lines. Yeah, and and it's thought to affect about one in 10 women. So, um, you know, this is a a hugely important area. Um, So the endometrium is the lining of the womb. That's the name for the Uh. tissue that lines the wound cavity. Um, And that's what that is what gets shed when you have a period. That's what comes away. It's the, the endometrium. But in endometriosis, and we don't really understand why this happens, you get little patches of the endometrium at different parts of the body. So it could be on the ovaries, on the fallopian tubes possibly even on the bowel, on the bladder or on the, the ureter, which is sort of a water, waterworks tube from the kidney to the bladder. Um, so you can imagine those patches of endometrium actually respond the same way as the lining of the womb does. So they bleed when you have a period, mm. but obviously they're not bleeding into the womb cavity. They're just bleeding into the sort of local tissues around them. And that can be very painful. There isn't really anywhere for the blood to go. So for the, for women with endometriosis, very often what they get is, is very painful periods. Uh, they sometimes get heavy periods too, but particularly very painful periods. Um, and they may get other symptoms associated with it, depending on where their patches of endometrium are. So mm-hmm. if they have patches in the bladder, then they may experience some bleeding when they pass urine during their period. They may have bowel pain because of patches on the bowel. Um, it can also... Um, I don't, again, really understand why this happens, but affect mood with depression being quite common um, with women with endometriosis and fatigue levels as well. Um, and also it can have a knock on effect to fertility. And that's sometimes how women find out that they've got it is if they're having problems getting pregnant. Um, so as a runner, I think um, the, the the main ways it, w- it would potentially affect you is in terms of pain, um, mm. because it is very hard to run with <laughs> menstrual cramps, <laughs> Um, and they can be really, really severe in in, in women with endometriosis. So I think um, that that's important as well as as I say, fatigue levels can sometimes be affected as well, which can have an impact on your running um, and just general um, sort of discomfort from an inflammation. It seems to be a little bit of inflammation in the tissues around where these patches of endometriosis are.
1: Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there any advice out there for runners who have endometriosis in terms of the sort of training they should do or how they should kind of um i don't know calendarize their their running
2: um not that i'm specifically aware of or familiar with i think again it is a case of i mean tracking your menstrual cycle i think in those situations would be very helpful to see how is it affecting you um i think i think there are the different ways of managing endometriosis um can then have a knock-on effect to your, to your running because um, the different ways of, of controlling it are to do with controlling your hormones and basically trying to suppress that bleeding. And that can be quite difficult if you're also trying to get pregnant at the same time. It's a kind of a little bit of a minefield really, but using um, hormonal treatments, including hormonal contraceptives, or even in extremer cases, um, women using... Uh, hormones which push them into sort of a transient menopausal state to Mm -hmm. to stop periods happening so it's a really difficult one but I think again it is very individualized and I would say do what you can to track things see how you can manage the symptoms and if that isn't working then um, definitely be be speaking up and asking for help.
1: Yeah and uh, what other conditions are there out there that women can suffer from with their periods?
2: um oh all sorts of things i mean heavy periods is one that can be normal but that can be due to other factors such as fibroids which are um overgrowth of the the womb tissue inside um you can have um um Um, My brain's period. uh, (laughs) I've forgotten the word for a minute. (laughs) PCOS, (laughs) polycystic ovarian syndrome, which can have a big effect on periods, making them irregular, sometimes stopping them altogether. Um, And then again, amenorrhea, when women lose periods altogether, which can be uh, a particular problem for runners. So, yeah. Can you can you explain that link? How how does that happen? Mm. Um, So what we what we now understand, you may have heard of the term REDS is Mm. that yeah so relative energy deficiency in sport and that that kind of fits quite well into this amenorrhea um scenario because we we say we're now beginning to understand so much more about the female body and really understanding how energy balance is important so we use energy when we run and we gain energy when we eat food um and if there's a mismatch between those two then our body can go into energy negative state now that mismatch might be because we're not fueling ourselves well, or it might be because we are using up extra energy by doing excessive miles. And if you're training, that balance can be really hard to get sometimes, especially if you're somebody who's maybe conscious of their weight or trying to lose weight, and then increasing your training, and you can end up with this real kind of difficult balance to strike. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go into that negative energy state, your body doesn't like it, because it It wants to stay in what we call homeostasis, where everything's in balance. So it tries to save energy. And one of the ways it does that is by shutting down certain body systems. So one of the things that can be affected is the periods. And you can get what we call amenorrhea, which is when you have no no periods happening at all. This negative energy state also has an effect on other systems in the body, Um, really far-reaching in terms of our hormones it can affect our gut it can affect our digestion it can affect our um our mood it can affect our ability to concentrate our risk of getting injured um our immune system um, as well as our our sort of performance so it has this has a really quite far-reaching effect But that problem with amenorrhea is that if we aren't having periods as a woman, we are potentially putting our bone health at risk because it makes us much more likely to develop osteoporosis where the bones become um, thinner and um, more prone to to fracturing, which can be long lasting and sort of devastating.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I was was reading about that. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely terrifying, actually. And you just sort of think about, you know, from, from all these kind of women, the runners that I've interviewed and stuff, and there were quite a lot of um, younger runners um, who had suffered from that and, and, the kind of, and absolutely no idea, you know, some of them were just like, actually it's, it, it was nice not to have a period because it didn't get in the way, um, you know, training was going really well, all this, and then not, not realising the kind of pretty devastating consequences um, of, of not having a period. Um,
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing about bone mass is that we reach our peak when we're in our late 20s, age 30. That's as good as it's going to get. So if we've missed time before that building bone mass. i mean we've actually reached 90 percent of it by the time we're about 18 19 so um you know it's really early on that we that we sort of set our our maximum bone mass and then we are going to lose a little bit every year i mean having said that it's great to be a runner because running is a really good exercise for preserving bone mass mm-hmm. because of the impact with the ground which sort of jolts and stimulates the bones to to, to um to strengthen themselves so in terms of, of, of trying not to freak out about it you know actually if you um don't have problems with amenorrhea and you're running you're already doing something good for your for your bone health so
1: which leads quite nicely onto menopausal symptoms and 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 topics and things so uh, osteoporosis and and bone loss and bone density is something that i am really concerned about Mm. as i'm heading up to 50 um how i mean is that is do I just carry on running? Is running good? Will running stop me getting osteoporosis?
2: I mean, it depends where you're starting from. As I say, if you've already got a low bone mass,
1: then um,
2: it, it can be trickier. But it's, I think it's important to know that, that we can do things to preserve and maintain what we've got. So yes, the running will definitely help. It is that high impact activity, um, that, that hitting the ground, stimulating the bones. But interestingly, one of the other things that we know can help bone mass is actually strength work because when our muscles, um, our muscles attached to bone by tendons, and we now know that when we tug on the tendons, so when the muscles contract and tug on the tendons, that as well stimulates bone mass. So just the running itself, we can add extra by making sure that we're doing strength work sort of on top of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there are certain women who are at higher risk of of having low bone density. So it isn't the case that we all need to panic about it. If you're somebody that's been a smoker, if you're somebody that's been a heavy drinker, if you've got a strong family history of it, in those sort of situations, if you've had an early menopause and you haven't had um, HRT replacement, those sort of women you know, could be seeing their GP to ask about whether they need to have a bone scan to check where they're at with their bone density because potentially they may need to have some medications if their bone density is low and they're tipping into osteoporosis, they may need to have some medications to help. But in most situations, actually just making sure we eat a healthy diet, making sure we're getting our, um, our bone strengthening exercises um, and high impact activities, then um, it isn't something that we should feel
1: unduly stressed about. Um so it's not a yeah. fact of life we're not all going to get osteoporosis.
2: No, no, definitely not. No. Uh, no. I mean I think women women are living longer than we ever did and we are spending many many more years um beyond the menopause than than women did in years gone by. So mm-hmm. definitely because of that our risk increases but um that there's there's not there's nothing to say that every woman is going to have stress fractures from
1: osteoporosis definitely not. And one of the runners I was speaking to um she was talking about how she'd she I think her bone density had got bad. Mm -hmm. I'm using technical medical jargon here. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) that it then improved. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that it could do that um yeah,
2: it can to a certain extent yeah i mean you've got you've got normal bone mass and you've got osteopenia which is where bone mass is a little bit low and then osteoporosis where bone mass is significantly low mm-hmm. um and you can to 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 some extent um increase your your bone density with activities that you can take you're not going to push yourself right back to peak bone mass but it's 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 generally about maintaining what you've got but it is possible to to get a little bit of improvement
1: definitely Oh, interesting. And then, and I also wanted to talk to you about, well, again, um, talk to you about progesterone because uh, Holly and I were talking about this. Is it progesterone? Have Mm -hmm. I said that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's one of the ones that I never pronounced correctly. Um, But so, so we will talk about this earlier because, um, and I'm going to talk about my experience rather than Holly's experience, but I, I have been, it has been suggested to me by a doctor that I should take a progesterone supplement or something so either have an implant or take the pill or something like that um just because I was whinging about heavy irregular periods is that a good idea so this is a a really good example
2: of of when at different stages in your life different things are uh, are better to use Mm. um and the I think this it is with all these hormone things it's always a case of weighing up the risks and the benefits now if you're having really irregular periods all over the place and that is affecting your ability to exercise we want you to exercise because it's so good for your health you know if it's having a knock-on effect to your mental health because you can't get out and do your exercise then actually your risks from from um, not exercising because of it you know are quite sort of significant so you may be do want to look at something to control your periods or if your periods have become heavier around the perimenopause, which they sometimes do as well, and that can stop you going to work or, you know, the the, the consequences of of periods can be quite sort of dramatic. Um, Now, it's not uncommon to use a progesterone only effectively contraceptive. Um, around the perimenopause to, to tide women over from that time when their periods start messing around um, to the time beyond the menopause when they're d- not going to have any periods. Um, and the, the reason why women, women are often offered a progesterone is because it doesn't contain oestrogen. And it can be the oestrogen that gives women a slightly higher risk of things such as deep vein thrombosis as we get older. Mm-hmm. So really the, the the suggestion to you is is um, is, is perfectly valid um and, and common one um that if it's affecting you and you want to look at a way of managing it, then using a daily um progesterone only tablet um would would help to minimize your uh bleeding pattern interference with your with your life. Um also give you if needed um contraception because obviously around the perimenopause we'll menopause we're still women are still fertile um until you've gone through uh the menopause then um so you kind of can get that benefit sort of to it as well. So it is always, it always difficult um, time to manage periods and hormone progesterone is one way that, that it can be done. As you say, either through a tablet um, also quite commonly through a Mirena or Mirena is the brand name, but through the coils that contain um, progesterone, because then the progesterone is just locally in the womb rather than going full blast through the whole sort of circulation and they can work really well for runners as
1: well. Well, how do those synthetic hormones, how do they, do they, will they affect, uh, running in any way? I mean, they're they're quite
2: closely matched to our natural hormones. So you know, we're producing those hormones in our body anyway. So mm. synthetic hormones are, are doing uh, are doing the job of of natural hormones in the body. So particularly for if you're thinking of using hormone replacement, then really all you're doing is replacing what your body would naturally have produced. Um, and if you're taking synthetic hormones before the menopause, then they can um, they can. In a way, they suppress your natural hormones because they sort of take over that job. Um, So in terms of actually affecting your running again, very personal, but you may get some side effects from progesterone. So common ones with that will be breast tenderness, which can obviously affect you if you're trying to run, Mm -hmm. headaches, sometimes a bit of bloating. So they could do in that sense, although a lot of women find after they've been taking them for a while, they get more tolerant of them. um, And after a couple of months have gone by, it's not necessarily an issue. Whereas if you're wanting to use a progesterone to just stop your period because you've got a marathon coming up, um, and you're taking a big dose for a few days to suppress your period, then there is, um, that can work for lots of women and it can stop them bleeding. But there are some women who find that that does adversely affect their performance actually when it comes to running.
1: Oh God, that's interesting. And uh, um, and that was another thing that, that Holly and I were talking about was, um, well, I'm, I'm really interested in this, in that um, when I talk to a medical professional, like yourself, um, if I talk to a doctor, they will talk to me about the one thing That I'm asking them about and um, a lot of the time if I talk to a physio that they will address the one thing that I've come to talk to them about and I would love in some instances to be able to talk to a medical professional who would then be asking me questions about my entire life and what I do and I I was just wondering if like say you had a woman that was speaking to you as a a, in your capacity as a GP or when you were a GP um, how would you address them? How would you how would you um, diagnose them or, or kind of help them differently were you to know that they were a very active runner? I mean, is there like so. So if if a woman came to you um, who was approaching menopause, um, I I just I feel like they would be given different advice from different doctors. Um, depending on whether they would this is the kind of alley that I'm leading you down basically like what what advice could you give a running woman who's approaching the menopause but another doctor perhaps would not?
2: It's a really interesting question (laughs) Um, and I think it 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 kind of encompasses the whole spectrum of exercise and health um, because you know I speak to lots of uh, I do some training for junior doctors about speaking to patients about exercise. And I say to them, you know, what what makes you not want to talk about it? And they say, well, because I, I don't do it personally. Um, and I think mm-hmm. your personal experience really does um, impact the way you have these conversations Mm -hmm. and particularly when it comes to running you know when I was seeing women and a a runner came in and asked me that kind of question I like you say I'm sure my answers were different (laughs) to a a woman who maybe wasn't a runner or from a doctor that wasn't um a a runner either so I think it really does impact how you how you frame things and also maybe your your own personal knowledge and experience and, and enthusiasm for it as well so um I think you know we do have sports and exercise medicine doctors and um gps who have e- special interests in exercise so i think as time goes on and and the exercise education improves and you know that th- these conversations hopefully will will change and become more holistic and and um, adapted to your situation but i think sorry i've not even answered your question yet No, in terms of what would i say to a woman approaching the menopause who was a runner that i maybe wouldn't say to somebody else um i think i have a much much better understanding of it especially being perimenopausal myself um, but the first thing i would say is running is great um, for this time of life you know it, re- it really is it ticks so many boxes in terms of helping you through some of the symptoms that you might get in the perimenopause um, but also sort of future-proofing your body as well so the first thing i'd say is congratulations keep going don't stop running mm-hmm. um, um, but I would also you know sort of try to to make them aware of stage beyond the perimenopause because i say you want to future proof your body and the more you can do things and the earlier you can do them then the better so i would be talking about bone health um, and i would be definitely encouraging them to add strength work in i think this is a massive topic um, around the perimenopause because of something called sarcopenia um, and that may be something you've heard or it may not we're all very familiar with this bone loss that we get as we age Mm. but maybe not so familiar with the fact that we lose muscle mass as well And when muscle mass gets to a certain low point, it's called sarcopenia. Um, And muscles are vital for good health. Yes, they help us with our balance and our coordination and stop us falling over. But actually, we now know that muscles release chemicals like myokines, which have an anti-inflammatory effect in the body. And that reduces our risk of all sorts of diseases like cancer and diabetes and heart disease, etc. So as we age, we are losing muscle. Mm-hmm. And that for therefore puts us at higher risk of these diseases because we don't have so much anti-inflammatory myokines zooming around in our circulation. So I would say, grow some muscles, (laughs) do some lift, some heavy stuff, um, work on strength and muscle conditioning, because you need muscles to generally sort of keep you healthy as you go forward in life. Um, And the natural tendency in your body now is for your muscle mass to be reducing. Um, And that goes along with making sure that you've got a good diet with eating plenty of protein to facilitate your muscle mass. So those would be two of the things that I would really be sort of stressing you know think ahead think about the future um but i'll try and be realistic as well because the perimenopause throws up so many issues that <laughs> stop you running or try to stop you running you know mm-hmm. like we mentioned the breast tenderness and the heavy periods and actually sometimes just a lack of motivation or a lack of drive where well, we might have been competitive before sometimes we'll fine. they lose their sort of competitive streak and those things can all have a a knock on negative effect to your running so just being prepared that your relationship with running might change a little bit um but doing what you can mixing things up trying different things doing different things with your running to to keep it varied and to keep it um entertaining and um something that you want that you want to do but not not worrying if you have bad months where you just don't feel like doing it um but know actually that if you can get out there anything that you can do is has
1: a really positive effect on your health and and how does that advice change once we're firmly post-menopausal? Um,
2: not too much, really, um, because I, I think, I mean, a lot of the things do calm down. But I mean, the, the menopause um, is this kind of moment in time when we've gone for 12 months without a period, the perimenopause is the time leading up to that. Then we have the menopause, which is, I say, a a single moment in time when we've got to that 12 months without a period. And then we move into the post-menopause. And I think in the post-menopause, again, it is maintaining, preserving bone mass, muscle mass, making sure, again, that we're eating plenty of protein and and getting a real nutrient-dense sort of diet um, to to, to look after ourselves. But sometimes things, uh, some of the challenges of the perimenopause like the period, sometimes the mood swings and things do sort of settle down a bit. So sometimes you you can feel a little bit more balanced and um, optimistic once you're in sort of post-menopause.
1: So what I wanted to ask um, is what can we look forward to, right? As, I mean, I know there's plenty of things. This is my glass half empty thing. What is there to look forward to? (laughs) Um, But I I keep on thinking about, you know, um, uh, did you watch Fleabag? no i haven't seen it no oh there there was there was a scene in fleabag um where they talk about menopause and um christian scott thomas is talking and she just says she basically says it's bloody brilliant you know it's it's Mm, just mm, the best mm, thing mm, ever um mm. is there is there stuff that we can look forward to um as menopausal runners um things is there anything that's better for us or or that is great for us as a as a menopause runner or post runner
2: yeah, I definitely think so. It, like I say, it's easy to cast it all as doom and gloom when you when you hear all these horror stories, don't you? And women struggling yeah. with this and that and the other, and affecting the running and blah 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 blah. But you know, for um, for so many women, well, some women don't have, don't have very many symptoms at all through the menopause. So you know, there are those who are just probably listening to this thinking, "What are they talking about?" You know, that's <laughs> fine. Um, but I think it is important to acknowledge that for some women, it is very very difficult. Um, but I think I think you you do have plenty to look forward to. And I think it can be a time when, as I say, your relationship with running can change, but that doesn't mean it doesn't change for the better. You know, Mm. you can discover... You can discover new ways of running that you didn't maybe try before that you maybe can go for longer where or you maybe um pr- prefer more social running or you you take on you're going slower but that means you can do more in of the endurance events and you know as women age it doesn't mean that their running careers are over by any stretch of the imagination and I think a lot of women sort of experience this this older and wiser um and and more self-confidence and and just in their own ability and I think that there is plenty there is plenty to to look forward to and and we mustn't you know these are just things we have to kind of try and manage and 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 cope with but the bigger picture overall is is not is not necessarily a negative one we need to be positive I feel quite positive about it I I just sort of feel like I actually I'm very proud of what this body's done it's given me these given me children but it's taken me this far etc but actually now I'm looking at it thinking "Hmm, I wonder what else you can do and 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 um let's try doing I've definitely added in lots of strength work which has made me feel better about my running which I think has improved my technique which is making me faster so you know growing that muscle helps with the speed and and so you know I'm, I'm actually quite sort of excited about the next phase of my of my running definitely
1: yeah um I I agree tentatively um only in that I was I was having a chat with my mum last night and um and just in the context of that conversation uh, what was it what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about because I'd been from a COVID jab and I got in I snuck in early because I'm an asthmatic and um uh and I just I felt like a bit of a you know a charlatan like I shouldn't really be be having it because I'm fitter now mm-hmm. than than probably I've ever been and certainly certainly fitter than I was in my twenties. Um with all the smoking and boozing that was going on <laughs> at that point in my life. And I love seeing all the stuff, like seeing runners, seeing women runners in their 40s and 50s who are achieving stuff that it looks like they potentially didn't achieve before, that they've kind of, I don't know, they're, they're just achieving great heights. And is that something that you've noticed, that these kind of sort of older women or middle-aged women that are doing stuff that they never did before?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's particularly true for women who've come into running late. Um, because it does take time for you to build up your, your your confidence in your running, but I think it's I think as well you're just so much more tuned into your body. You're so much more self aware. You've lived in it for forty odd years, and 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 you're more. You're more um, able to understand it, and and so I, I think yeah, the sky's the sky's the limit, really. I, I um and I, I think this is a space which is growing, and I think we're going to see more and more of this. Mm-hmm. Partic- particularly in in running older older women achieving incredible incredible feats. so I think we should all feel quite positive I'm trying to convince you <laughs> yeah no I am I
1: promise I am <laughs> do you know what my, my only other concern like well because you've you've helped me out with quite a lot of stuff here my only other concern is kind of completely the other end of the scale um I have a young daughter and I try and think about how I'm supposed to educate her in terms of her cycle when she you know when she's there because she's she's six at the moment so we're, we're a way off hopefully um so I was just wondering how we encourage our children to be more self-aware in ways in which I, I was not mm. this is something
2: I've thought about a lot because I've got a um a 13 year old you know he's just sort of girl uh he's he's just going into this kind of stage of life and thinking how do i how do i do this how do i and and i think the major thing for me is actually just conversation It is because you know as a teenager myself you know it wasn't something you talked about you might be talking to your best friend about it but mm. you know it, it wasn't an open topic of conversation she's having really good education in school generally um, um about periods um and and the PE lessons are all about this girl can and <laughs> just amaze me uh, so you know I think the I think the, the the conversations are the most important thing because the more we can talk about these things the more women can share their experiences and I think um I think also I don't know maybe I'm making this up but I think things like journaling are are much more common certainly younger women do seem to be taught now to uh, for for mental health to to maybe be more self aware and to to keep little journals about things and and i think therefore being open to to tracking and using apps etc and the use of technology in how we understand our body i think that's all changing um hopefully for the better it's difficult because you can become obsessed about these things and you can become very very focused and i'm i'm conscious of that as well with her about talking about fueling and eating well that wanting to do that right so that i'm i'm giving her a positive self-image and a positive relationship with her with her body so yeah I think it's difficult but um I think as I say all those things that I've mentioned hopefully are steering us in the right direction yeah yeah
1: um and I, I guess lastly I just wanted to ask about kind of red flags so what are the things as runners um that we should be looking for in ourselves or we should be looking for in our running buddies or um maybe even our daughters or our mothers um what things would you want someone to go to the GP with what what where Where do we need help
2: so in terms of periods, yeah, I would say any significant change in your period, um, whatever that change may be, whether it's that your periods have suddenly got a lot heavier, whether they've suddenly become irregular, um, and if they've stopped um, so we if you've missed three periods, then um, you should be seeing somebody about it, so any specific change in your period equally any bleeding in between your periods. Um, So bleeding after sex or bleeding um, just intermittently in between periods. I think, again, that can be a red flag and particularly bleeding after the menopause as well. That is a a big red flag. If if you've gone through the menopause and then you get vaginal bleeding, you definitely need to speak to your doctor straight away. So I think those things in terms of periods, Mm -hmm. um, I think in terms of things like bone health, um, it is looking for, it's being aware of things like stress fractures. Um, so pains in your feet or in your shins um, or even in your pelvis as well, because you can get stress fractures in, in hips, etc. that don't go away, that hurt at nighttime, that hurt every time you run, not ignoring those things um, and getting those things checked out would be, you know, big red flags for me. Um, and I think if you're a woman who's on the combined contraceptive pill, so you're, um, you're, um, your period that you have on the combined pill when you take a period you take your pill for 21 days typically, and you have a seven-day break. That's not really a period. That's what we call a withdrawal bleed, and that's just because you've stopped taking the hormones for a week. And I think you can get lulled into a false sense of security that you're having a regular period. So if you're somebody that trains hard, um, and there's a possibility of there being a mismatch with your energy balance, um, then actually, just you know, you may not be. If you were weren't taking the pill, you may not be having a period. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we need to sort of educate women about about That as well and that itself can be a red flag if that withdrawal bleed um it stops for example or if you're having time off the pill and you don't get your period back then then that one again would be another red flag for for a runner who's who's training hard
1: oh that's really interesting yeah um and and in terms of mental health because obviously all these kind of raging hormones or lack thereof can have Mm. um a massive knock-on effect to Mm. how we feel Mm. um is there anything there we need to be looking out for
2: i mean we all get bad days don't we and but i think if the bad days are starting to outnumber the good um that's that's really important if you kind of just have this sense of hopelessness that, that, that there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel um that that you are starting to change your behavior and cutting yourself off from people and isolating yourself and not really wanting to go out and um generally feeling um dark then you know all these mental health things you need to be aware of them and you need to ask for help you know you would if it was a spot on your leg that was not going away that was you know you would just go and see somebody wouldn't you and we shouldn't Mm -hmm. treat mental health any differently really so I think first of all confiding in someone that's close to you and and um, if you're having any of those sort of symptoms that I mentioned, then definitely speaking to, to your GP, um, because we, we often say, well, yeah, it's just linked to your period, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And um, even if it is just linked to your period, it can still be severe. And, it, mm. it, you know, it can be debilitating and serious. So um, I, I definitely would encourage women in that situation to to ask for help.
1: I think it's really important as well, isn't it, for women? I mean, particularly over this past year, I think it's quite common or, or it seems as if it might be quite common for and I'm going to just talk about women here, but obviously it affects everyone. But but for women to think to themselves, well, everyone's going through the same thing. So we all feel the same way. And obviously we have all been isolated and we've all not been kind of meeting up with friends and family and stuff. Um, so I think it's probably really important for women to realise that just because they're feeling it it doesn't mean you know not everyone is feeling the same thing but to to not kind of sweep their feelings under the carpet just because just because we've just been through a huge pandemic um
2: yeah and and I think the person that you're talking to whoever that may be may may just say oh yeah yeah I've been feeling that too but it's different but it's but it's different it's a different sort of extreme so I think being honest and and explaining how it, it really is feeling you and it's
1: it's perfectly valid to have those feelings yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I can't think of anything else to ask you about periods. <laughs> Have we run out of periods? <laughs> we probably haven't.
2: There's probably more things we could we could talk about, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's loads that I need to ask you. But I haven't even, yeah, we, we didn't even do the fibroids. We didn't do... PCOS properly. I've got PCOS and I always forget that I've got it. Um so you mentioned it. I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I've
0: got Yeah, that. that's
2: a topic in itself really. Yeah, yeah, cuz that's is. quite quite com- confusing and and um has
1: wide-reaching effects as well. Yeah. 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 No, and period
2: I've... period poverty as well. Yeah, period there's also yeah. <laughs> We have not talked about
1: period poverty. Yeah, it's another thing I really need to cover in the magazine. Um, but I think for this one, I think that's absolutely tons. So that's that's fantastic. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. I'm happy to come and chat anytime about periods.
1: <laughs> so what have I learned here? That my hormones are clearly so all over the place that I run when everyone else is under a duvet and I'm under a duvet when everyone else is being Wonder Woman. Ah, perimenopause, I love it so But look, I hope you got as much out of that as I did. Juliet is just a walking hormonal font of knowledge, which sounds revolting when she's actually very lovely. Get her book right now. It's called Run Well, and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's essential for every runner. There are only 32 weekends until Christmas after all. Hurrah! This podcast was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way you won't miss the next episode podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to women's running which is 35% off that's less than two ninety five a month and for that you get our brilliant magazine and you also get loads of money off the sorts of stuff you love like brilliant kit nutrition and class memberships go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter wrpod at the checkout for your brilliant discount come and join women's running we'd love to have you with us